baby. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Hear Me Out Though. My name is Gippy. I am joined by Sobukwe. Okay. Wakama Pembani. All right. Let them know. Wasingwanini. Ooh. Wakangwani. Eh? Oh my God! Sorry, guys. <laughs> Greetings to everybody listening. My name is Sobuko Tulasizo Mapefani. Yeah, I'm in Guinea. <laughs> oh my God! Listen, relax. This is like a, it's all good. Yeah, yeah. It's really, it's very chill, bro. So, what's up? How's your week been? How's your past couple of weeks been since we came together and recorded? What you been up to? Um, I mean, observing. Observing a lot of things, observing my space, observing the way I think, the way I do things, my patterns, my procrastination, when I want to do something, when I can't do something, you know, when I get thrown off from what I want to do by something that's important that throws me off and I can't recover from what I had to do that distracted me from doing what I thought I needed to do in that moment. That's work related. That's going to put me like ahead almost. Sure. So I guess maybe that's what we're going to talk about today. Maybe. Absolutely. Way to, to lay it up there. You know what I mean? I'm going to finish it off. Um, I think this past week um, or the past two weeks, I've started working out again after a very long time. And, you know, it's obviously very hard in the first couple of days, particularly for me, because I'm used to working out in a gym setting, in a box setting, preferably. But because of the COVID, everybody's been at home. So I tried the home workout thing last year, beginning of the first lockdown. Didn't really go over too well. Tried it again this time, and I feel like it's sticking. And so what I wanted to talk about, what I've been thinking about, to build on your point of not doing things that we know are going to benefit us in the long term. I was thinking this week about how good it feels just to be in that space again because it's been about four years since I've seriously been training and I just found myself almost having a euphoric feeling of excitement and just feeling satisfied and all these positive feelings after my workouts and I also started thinking about what it is about us as people that kind of hinders us once we get into whatever kind of slump, either an emotional slump or something's happen in life that distract you or throw you off the ball of, you know, doing consistent work, right? In my case, working out. So what is it about once you are thrown off of your rhythm and you no longer practice things that you know are beneficial to you, what is it about the mindset that we have that keeps us stuck in that place for so long, especially because once you start doing said activity that you've put off for such a long time, you remember like, oh my God, I actually love doing this. I feel so much better, you know, when I practice what this is. Again, this is working out in this scenario, but I tried to think of different applications for it. And I thought a similar thing that I experience is with prayer. Sometimes, you know, you miss one night of, of doing a prayer and, you know, before you know it, it's two nights and three nights and a week has gone by. And for me, I struggle with this a lot and we talk about it from time to time when I'm really struggling with praying where 
you know, you feel so bad or I feel so bad for not doing what I know I'm supposed to do that I start to have a reaction of almost being guilty and feeling like I've done something so wrong and it's so bad now that I don't want to turn back almost. So then I double down on the not doing it and making excuses and justifying it in my mind until, you know, before you look at it, months have gone by. And I haven't done this thing and I end up feeling worse for it. You know what I'm saying? So I really want to understand because this is actually something that I very much so struggle with. What do you think that is about procrastination and putting things off um, that you know are actually in the long term very beneficial to you when you practice it? I think, I don't know. It's I don't know. I think the way our minds are wired is almost very weird in that even for me, like I started, like when we started talking about um, the prospect of talking about this particular thing, when I started thinking about it, I thought about when we were kids, man, like we would hate how to go take a bath. Don't go take a bath. It would be like the worst thing, like, ah, taking a whole bath. And it's some of that doesn't really even take long or investing time in some of that. It's not even about the particular, it's, it's not even like an activity, a specific activity. It's a positive activity that's going to benefit you in the long run or short, short, like short term or long term, you know, right. Whether it's when you were a kid and you're supposed to bath or when you were a kid and you had to do your homework, whether it it was anything that would put you ahead. I think it goes back to discipline in a, in a weird way. Um, I'm thinking about like, self-sabotage at a very very high level also when we're older with certain things for people that don't have nine to fives like ourselves that everything is in our hands if we don't do certain things we we find ourselves in a very you know in a very i don't even know how to explain it but it's a it's a very annoying state of not being productive and doubling down on not being productive and just Mm. doing a lot of passive um, things that kind of distract you. You even find things to distract you. You mm. consciously make a decision to say, mm. oh, I need to do this. And you mm. start making excuses about why you're not doing said activity that's going to benefit you. So for me, I realized that sometimes I trick myself and I, I really guilt trip myself. I guilt trip myself a lot. Almost like I'm t- my spirit, my, I force my spirit to talk back at me or I condition myself. Almost like I go into a space where I'm like, if I don't do this thing, surely, surely the, the, the result should be, you know, not feeling okay about not doing said activity. So sometimes it's also when I get into that space, it's so nice to spend the whole night working. Like for instance, with sculpting or, or writing any proposals or concepts that we work, we work on that we, you know, with, with our particular workspace. But I think sometimes it's about the stakes when I realize that this is important and something in my space, for instance, if something happens at the house, that reminds me how much I want to leave my house. <laughs> that forces me into like a super, super high focus mode where I'm right. like, I have to be building, I have to be, I have to be sculpting. Sometimes I don't even sleep three days for three consecutive days. I've sleep. Yeah. I just went through that whole thing because sometimes just adjusting your mind adjusting your state of mind when something that really provokes you and scares you into like makes you very uncomfortable. I think I'm forced to get into work mode by discomfort. Mm. 
mm. especially when I'm reminded where I'm supposed to be and where I currently am. And I look at that contrast and the gap. I immediately jump into action mode. But your question is, what is it with like not being consistent? I think that that's something that's worth probably worth discussing because I believe that a lot of people struggle with that because at the end of the day, it has a lot of undertones of self-sabotage. I don't know what that, I don't know how, but I feel like it's a lot of self-sabotage. We have a tendency of self-sabotaging as people really for me. I mean, we could go so many different directions with this and I want to be very careful how I go. Right. Cause you made a lot of very interesting points. First being the point about the kid and you know, the analogy about being a kid, not wanting to take a bath, even though it's beneficial for you in the long term. I can almost forgive that because I don't think a kid necessarily is thinking on that level. Do you know what I mean? Like the level of it's good for me in the long run, blah, blah, blah. You know what I'm talking about? Like it's not that deep to a kid. Do you get what I'm saying? The kid, for lack of a better way of putting it, doesn't know any better. Do you get what I'm saying? Versus myself or you as an adult who actually knows better, who knows how much the work that the work of an hour and an hour worth of concentration, focus, energy on something can be so productive. Do you get what I'm saying? And we know that and we choose to go against what it is that we know. So I almost don't feel as though the analogy with a child is necessarily the same or it holds water with regards to specifically what I'm talking about right now. Although it's in the ballpark and I understand it from the prospect of, you know, the human brain being wired that way. I think that's also very interesting because ultimately I think the point of this conversation is how do we then rewire our brains to keep us in that state of productivity, in that state of, I don't know, being constantly aware, right? One thing that I love about working out is it makes you hyper aware of your body all the time. And when you are aware of your body, it's easier to have awareness towards other things. Do you get what I mean? Like you're already geared towards that. And that's why I I always will have a special place in my heart for CrossFit because CrossFit made me very aware of my body. Posture has to be good through your movements so that you don't injure yourself. I got injured a couple of times. So it made me hyper aware of my body at any given time. Also, when you're working out, of course, you know, there's the the tenderness, the soreness that comes after a really good workout. Even that is something that snaps you back in the moment. You know what I'm saying? Like, when you climb the stairs and you just did leg day, you feel them legs. Like you feel every single one of those steps. And that's kind of, for me, very important. It's the body is the first part, I suppose, of being grounded and aware. You have to work on awareness in your body and then move on to awareness in your emotional space, spiritual space, etc. But the body component is very important and we tend to leave it behind. It's mind, body, and spirit. The other thing that you spoke about that was really important for me was discipline. This is all an exercise in discipline or um, a practical application of discipline. When we are kids, we don't necessarily... Kids don't know the concept of discipline, hence why 
They don't want to shower. They could eat sweets from morning to night. You know what I mean? They don't have enough awareness and information and knowledge and understanding enough to grasp the concept of discipline. And low-key, I feel like that's why we are so in love with like Asian communities and how much they push their kids from a young age because whatever it is, whether it's playing an instrument, whether it's being a chess protege, whether it's being a tennis player, whether it's playing golf, whether it's anything, being a singer or a performer, these parents instill in their kids discipline from a very young age and it pays off. For me, discipline is key. And oftentimes, to extend this um, analogy of, you know, your Beyonce's, your Serena's, your whoever's that have been working on their craft for yonks, as in most of their lives, right? Some of these people are playing since they're five years old, you know, doing whatever. The thing about that is we often say, but this child's innocence was taken away from them so quickly, you know? They never really got to enjoy their childhood because they were constantly being forced to be practicing and working on craft, right? This is their rhetoric, and this is what we feel as well, obviously, with the Asian communities and how they raise their kids because they don't play around. But I would argue that's actually the formula for success. And actually... Everyone who's been practicing something since they were a kid and mastered that thing and continues to work on it in one way or the other is successful. You feel me? Whether it's Asians, Asians, smartest people in the, I mean, let's not do the racist stereotype. That's not even racist though. That's a great stereotype to have. All your people are super smart, good with numbers, scientists, logical, analytical, very disciplined in the workforce, you know what I mean? Like, that's amazing. So for me, discipline is also key. And our relationship with discipline, and we think about discipline in the wrong way. And I guess I understand partly why sometimes we fall short, we fall flat, and we don't go back to that thing because... Discipline is not an easy pill to swallow. Discipline and, and, and doing something consistently, having a routine, you know, doing certain things at certain times in certain ways consistently, day in and day out, that is not an easy thing at all. And so I think more than self-sabotage, I think sometimes it's laziness. Do you get what I mean? Sometimes, like, I could not be bothered. I don't want to wake up at 5 a.m. to go run. I don't want to really read a document right now. Like, I just want to unwind and watch a video. Or I just want to watch Netflix. Oh, I don't really want to study right now. You know, blah, blah, blah. Whatever the excuse is. And then it extends to outside of things that require productivity in what we're thinking in terms of work there's also such a thing i believe as emotional and spiritual productivity right so if you already have an attitude of i couldn't be bothered i don't want to do this da, 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 giving excuses it bleeds out i believe into other parts of your life case in point 
last three episodes we're talking about relationships romantic relationships and the the key thing that we are that we've spoken on in many different ways is the fact that people don't have clear communication a lot of times and people don't want to do the difficult work of going internal into their internal space and work on themselves that's why they can't be reflective, can't be accountable, can't communicate, cannot be empathetic, are in these toxic situations because they don't have what? The discipline to be able to do it. Because just like being consistent with working out or working on a project or whatever, it also requires the same amount of discipline to do internal work consistently. And that's what we complain about all the time where what we say is, you know, I do so much work on myself and now I have to deal with this person that doesn't even have awareness or is not even, you know what I mean? Attentive enough to themselves and to themselves and their internal space enough to even realize where they are falling short. That's always our complaint that we have. Yeah. It's cause that thing is not easy. That thing is not easy at all. For me, like the the analogy of the of us being kids, that that thing holds water so much, and that that was me like illustrating how almost it's it's human nature to not want to enter into a space of doing things that automatically when you're told that something, if the conditioning around something is that this thing is important it has to be done consistently and it's going to help you in a particular way it brings some form of positive outcome there's something that just happens mentally and like psychologically within us that just rejects things that need to happen that are important then comes in the issue of conditioning at at, at a very young age you spoke about like Serena Williams, Tiger Woods started playing at two. He said he had a very difficult mom. Obviously, Serena, I think, was the dad. You have Michael Jackson. Like, you have all these different people that have very, like, very tough upbringings. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And you would argue, I think also you'd argue, like, Asians are the most intelligent, blah, 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 blah. Those people culturally... You look at the Japanese, the Japanese people, like, remember that there was a, there was a documentary that we watched on Vice on how people in Japan, Japan is the most depressed country in the world because of Mm. their culture being so harsh on them. It doesn't matter if you're a female, it doesn't matter if you're a male, but it's a very harsh culture of people that work hard. I don't, I I don't, I don't, I think it was you, you were telling me about someone that's your friend that had a work, um, a colleague that was sick, but still went to work even when she was sick until she died. Yeah. You understand? That's yeah. the type of conditioning that you get. People get work at a very young age. Yeah. And there's this argument, maybe even in our context in Lesotho, where in school you find that there was this thing of the West Africans are more intelligent than us. Mm. The East Africans are, uh, are more intelligent mm. than us. The North Africans are more intelligent than us. And the Southern Africans not so much we're on the same level people that come from the district were more intelligent than us most of them 90 percent of people that came from the districts not masiru that didn't necessarily go to your uh whatever international schools multicultural none of them all those people were 
90% of the time top of the class every time they came out from they came from 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 rural from, areas from, from, from disadvantaged. Rural, disadvantaged backgrounds so there's this argument that those people one you could argue that these people understand that the stakes are high one the discipline is very high too they understand what that opportunity is you understand then the income then then in comes the issue of of, of yeah. you know laziness and, and all these different variables but the conditioning and the background from from the upbringing has taught them that dude you're the you're probably the only one that's going to get this opportunity in the family out of how many other people for sure and you're in the position to 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 to, to change the rest of our lives we are the same we're just conditioned differently so you find that in nigeria the family is a family of doctors and they're all going to be doctors. Yeah, yeah. In in Uganda, the family is a family of lawyers. They're all going to be lawyers. Absolutely. Or it's going to be, you're going to do something that's very, you know, things that are traditional, com, you know, traditional. Um, My dad know, called career, it com, a co- professional career. Exactly. Yeah. So you have all these different things that are there culturally. Yun from Ambush talks about like how Japanese or Asian Asian family structures are very strict on the types of careers that they, they, they choose because she wanted to be a graphic designer from when she was in middle school. And then when she wanted to, when she went to university, she was told she needs to do something that was related to law. And then she had to do art history and philosophy. And then she had to then later come back to do what she really wanted after she got a degree. Um, so that thing is very common amongst non-white families i feel maybe even like with with like white families they still it's still the same thing i think let me not to cut you off let me let me put it in a different way i think it's it's struggle versus hora or privilege right because in all the examples that you made whether it's people from different parts of the continent or it's people that were coming from highly densely populated areas your indians your asians or even people in our context that came from rural areas where you wouldn't necessarily expect them to have that much access to certain things all of these people seem to perform better than you for the most part you know middle age i mean middle class kids coming from all right families in an urban setting like the city of Maceo. The commonality is all of those people come from struggle. And struggle is relative. To someone coming from India or China or Japan, densely overpopulated countries, cities, spaces, and opportunities are, I would imagine, quite scarce because of the population size. They come to Africa and go to different parts of the world to try to pursue a better life. And all of them are very educated. I remember being in the States one time and my aunt was telling me in cities like New York, you have foreigners that are taxi drivers, but they're doctors, they're surgeons, they're lawyers in their home countries. But the opportunities could not even allow them to be there. They would rather all of the years in school and the years of practice go down the drain to be a taxi driver because they make a better living and can provide for a better life for their families. So I think the commonality there is 
as you said, knowing the stakes, the stakes are different for certain people, realities of life. We, for the most part, I feel honestly are privileged. We are privileged people who are and the same example applies for even, you know, people coming from other parts of Africa in a lot of, you know, Northern African, West Africa, East Africa, Northern Africa, there are a lot of kind of very unstable political situations. There's rebels. There's all sorts of turmoil that we don't necessarily experience here in the, in the South of the continent. And we are quite blessed for that. Um, I'm not going to go too deep into that, but what I'm saying is we are on the continent quote unquote, in certain aspects, privileged. And I'll give you a prime example because we're talking about school. When I was in medical school, as I said, my dad wanted me to have a professional career. I wanted to be in hospitality. He said, no, 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 no. It's only a lawyer or a doctor or an architect or, you know, one of these very respectable professional careers, quote unquote. And so I went to medical school which I later dropped out of because I was not surviving. I had a classmate who came from Zimbabwe. And there's a test. When I knew it was a wrap for me and my medical aspirations, we had a test. And I struggled a lot in high school with physics and chemistry. I was really good at biology and all the other stuff. And so we had this physics test. It turns out when you get to first year medicine, they, they do this process where they kind of make the first year as rigorous and as difficult as possible. So they, everyone who is a medical student does a bachelor of science. So chemistry, physics, biology, mathematics, and you're doing this on the same level roughly as engineers and people who are in that kind of very technical in that numbers way line of work. Long story short, I'm in this classroom. I'm struggling with my physics. It is busting my chops. I'm failing pretty much. I'm getting like very low grades, right? 50s, sometimes 40s, 30s. And the result for this test comes back. I'm looking at a nice 30%. I think I got like 31% for that test. Like I was struggling. So, you know, outside of the, the hall or whatever, we're all talking about our grades and our results. And this guy says, I got 98% for this test. And I asked this guy, you got 98%. I didn't tell him how much I got, but in my mind, I'm like, there's no way. There's no way. We are on two different worlds. So I asked him, what do you do when you come home from, from school? Because unlike what I expected, Going into medical school was eight to five at Vitz, eight to five every single day. Lectures, tutorials, jam-packed day, every day. And so when I would get home, I would obviously like chill and decompress and maybe watch something, cook dinner, maybe see which are the most pressing of my assignments. He told me when I get home, I walk home, so if we come out at 5, by 5.30, I'm in the house. I make whatever I'm eating. 6 o'clock, I'm studying. Without fail. I study, 
for three hours. At nine, I take a 15-minute break and I study again until midnight. And I knew when he said that, I have no shot. This is not for me. If this is the level of dedication that it takes to be a doctor, I'm not going to be a doctor. And that's literally how much it takes. You need to be studying all the time. And to build on your point of what this Ugandan person said, it's not that they are smarter. They are just conditioned differently. And their conditioning is you will work your ass off. Point blank. There are no other alternatives. You just work really hard. You don't take breaks. You don't have a social life. You, you don't do none of that. You are there to study. You are there to be the success. It's already a huge sacrifice for you to be in that place. And this is not just an opportunity for you, again, to the point of stakes. If you come out and you are a doctor, you are bringing us out of this position that we are in. So the stakes are real the level of discipline is for me, it was impossible. There was no way I had to fall back and try to be a journalist. Like ah, it's not happening. So for me, it's that just, just, just to build on your point. It, it's, it's coming from different backgrounds. It's the conditioning. It's, it's the discipline. It's the discipline that's instilled from a young age. It's also another thing is even when these families have gotten, even people that come from really good, well-off families, at the end of the day, like the conditions could be a very strong variable where there's struggle and trying to pull out, especially in African countries or Asian countries, where there's no generational wealth that has been built. Mm. Even when there is generational wealth that has been built, then they come. There comes in an, an issue of prestige mm. that comes into like passing on and you know legacy, a legacy and mm. building a legacy that is in the family. Like I was telling you the other day when I was watching that um, panel discussion of the collectors on Art Basel, there was this princess, Libyan princess, that was working on her PhD. There was all these different people on the panel that come from so much privilege but are so educated at the same time because mm. also in their families, there's a standard to uphold. There's a legacy to build and to continue to improve. So when you also come back, you know, come from a very prestigious family, mm. you know, you have to really progress and do what, do more than what your family has already established. Mm. So some people either get caught up in the privilege, you mm. know, like mm. people that are, you know, in the urban areas where, you know, most of our parents manage to make, you know, names for themselves and build careers for themselves out of nothing. Most of them. Yeah. Out of absolutely yeah. zero. Yeah. We then come in and almost really squander it. Some of us, if not most of us, mm. um, with the attitude, because there is no pressure. To go back home to rebuild your mom's house that mm. keeps falling, that has been built with clay and brick. And the, you know, it, there's no pressure like that. You have everything that 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 you need all at at your disposal. So some sometimes also there's that element. So all of these different variables, whether it's the context of privilege or the context of un, being underprivileged and coming from a lot of lack, mm. 
the underlying issue is discipline mm. because also mm. there's cultural, there's a cultural energy. There's a cultural concept of a particular race being number one. Look at the Chinese. The Chinese want to thrive in everything, in yeah. absolutely yeah. everything. And what are they doing? They're thriving in technology. And the Chinese, how long have the Chinese been thriving for? Since the Silver Lake, bruv. The Silver Road where everybody was trading. Silver Road? Is it Silver Road? Silver Road. Silk Road. Yeah. It's like everybody was trading there. They were running the industry. Like they had the the industry and the industrialization was very quick and swift. And everybody went to China to kind of bully China to be able to take what China was making at the time. So China has been a country or a group of people that have always wanted to be at the top. Right. So any Chinese person that is born in China and is a Chinese person, the first thing that they encounter is there's a standard to uphold firstly just by being a Chinese person. You understand what I'm saying? Facts. There's a pressure from that. But that that brings me back to what you were saying earlier about the Japanese and the Vice documentary we watched about how unhappy they are and the suicide rates. Um, cool story, side story. There's a YouTuber that that did an American YouTuber, Logan Paul. Anyway, those who know know, Logan Paul went to Japan, and there's a forest called the Suicide Forest where literally people just go there to commit suicide. If you walk through there, like it's it's grisly. There's people hanging from trees. It's back. They have a whole forest dedicated or that people use for whatever reason to go take their own lives and that got me to okay back to here you speaking about the japanese and the vice documentary about just how unhappy they are they're not producing they're not getting married etc sex they're not having sex they're not in relationships. relationships like they live a very strange life but on the other hand are highly productive gets me to the point of you know in in maybe trying to console ourselves in our procrastination which we should never do the issue of balance there always needs to be balance yes discipline is necessary but what about living in the moment right because first part of discipline when i think discipline i just think routine i think Waking up at 5 a.m., working out, da-da-da, eating at this time, blah, blah, blah. Very routine life is very disciplined. Think of the military, right? All of those people are extremely disciplined, and they do great. But it takes a lot of routine. It takes a lot of monotony. And when we think of routine and monotony, sometimes we rebel against it because it doesn't feel exciting it doesn't feel like you're alive it doesn't feel you know as as glamorous or as upbeat or as interesting as just even being on your phone you know what i'm saying so i i understand that discipline is important but also sometimes discipline is almost the counter to the is the counterbalance to living in the moment you know, taking in the smell of the roses, et cetera, et cetera, which is also a, a very big part of what the human experience is about. And everyone should get to have that part of it as well. Do you know what I mean? 
Yeah. I think if any of us worked half as hard as our parents, any of us, and I'm talking people, man, like there's a lot of people for me, like definitely if I worked half as hard as my dad on my craft, I'd be one of the most brilliant people in this world. That dude works hard. Yeah. Like that dude works really hard. Yeah. To be where he is, as and maybe because he's an artist, I I I watch him or at least I I he, I watch him. I guess this man practices from nine p.m. to one a.m. every single day, and I'm like, how many hours is this man putting in on like? Mm. And he practices the same thing, and we in the house are so annoyed. Like, dude, can you change the tune a little bit? Mm. Because we don't even know what that thing is, but. He puts in the work. So I think, man, it's pure laziness. It's as green as it's laziness that stems from lack of discipline, some level of privilege, and no stakes going in, you know, to kind of threaten your position in life. Mm. That's simple as that, mm. really. Why do people procrastinate? Because the stakes are not high enough. If you read yeah. it for me, if you ask me, if why why are the stakes why why are we procrastinating or why is it difficult to get on the bandwagon and start moving da, 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 da. the stakes are not high enough if you feel like oh my god i'm fat and i need to lose weight i keep saying that to myself but it's not a priority for losing sure. it for mm. me is not a priority so because that thing is not a priority mm. why should i be stressed I felt so that. sometimes the moment you do you turn something into a priority even mentally that becomes the front thing I know for a fact if I'm sure. I'm trying to develop concepts, things that I need to be submitting and and you know sending to try to get funding for, I could work on that thing day in, day out, cross nighting every single day until I've completed it. Yeah. Because that's my priority. I have to work on that part. Like mm. on that. If it's about practicing a particular style or a technique with clay, I'll spend the whole all the pieces that I've ever worked on. I start from at least 10 p.m. until 5 a.m. All of them. Yeah. That's between that and more. Yeah. And you find that it's either a small piece or the other ones. I think the biggest piece that I've done is like I took three days working on it. And I had to cross that all those three days until I finished it. And sometimes working even during the day. So, man, for me, this is not like this. This doesn't need a sangoma, bruv. It's as simple as procrastination comes and stems from whatever it is that you're procrastinating on. Is not a priority. Simple as that. How badly? No, you. It's you not a priority. It's not a priority. Like why? You don't we, want. It's as simple as that. If you want to change your, if you want to start getting productive, if you want to start getting things done, start think, start seeing things as priorities, bruv. Like if they're not important, you're not gonna do them as you're not gonna work as hard on them as as you would, you know. <sighs> Maybe the other thing that's tripping us up some of the time is that we are not necessarily trying to do conventional things. Do you know what I mean? If you went to school and you studied to be a doctor, best to believe you're going to get a job. Guaranteed. If you studied to, be, studied to be an engineer, high likelihood of you getting a job. Same for all of these professional careers, which is why our parents tend to favor them because it's a surefire guaranteed way of not only getting a career, but a damn good career that's going to pay you. You're going to have instant respectability, instant stability, all of this stuff. But I guess in the world that we live in now, 
there has been just so much that we have seen that has broken our mold and first of all let's let's start here not all of us have the dedication discipline smarts talent to necessarily make it in those professional careers anyway i think at this at this moment we can go anywhere and we can continue dissecting what the problem is and trying to rationalize it in different ways and trust we can go for hours on end but the whole point here is let us build let us grow let us actually highlight problems and offer up solutions in whatever form that they may take girl i'm not saying i know sir ma'am i'm not saying i know the answers but this is just kind of you know maybe a moment for all of us to check ourselves right so the first thing that i want to talk about is for me the mindset it always starts with the mindset as you've said it's about what is a priority to you if you say you know you want to lose weight or you say you want to do whatever thing that it is if it's really burning you enough you'll do it you'll do it and the burn comes with a particular shift in your mindset it's your mindset it's your mindset shifting from i can't or i can't right now to i'm going to i can i'm doing it that shift is very important and back to my gym analogy i can feel myself when i'm in that zone when when i'm in the headspace that i need to be at to eat and like beast i feel it there's nothing that can shake me out of that headspace like i'm doing it currently I've been eating one meal a day and working out like crazy. And that has nothing to do with anything other than my mindset. At certain points when, you know, we were still having our honeymoon phase and eating like crazy, there were moments where I just couldn't get enough food in me. Do you know what I mean? Like I just would eat, have a snack, do whatever, then it's a chocolate, then it's crisps, then it's juices and sodas and whatever whatever but now i can literally sit here and watch you eat some of the most delicious food and not be moved as is the case today this literally happened <laughs> this literally happened where you had one of my favorite things to eat and i said you know what <sighs> enjoy it and it, it all begins with the mindset mindset is for me the most important not to crack before you decide to do anything because it is what is going to make or break which is incidentally why we should never do things to satisfy other people if our hearts and our minds aren't in it whatever it is because if you are doing it for the wrong reasons you will not be able to sustain that energy so let's talk about mindset really quickly over here at Hear Me Out though, we are huge advocates for critical self-awareness. And what does that mean? It means you have to be constantly aware of yourself while critiquing yourself, right? That's what we preach. I've I've been trying to think of like how to phrase it and sum it up. It's not a term that exists, but I it coined, makes I sense. Co- I coined it. 
I'm coining it. For how I'm much? claiming it. I'm claiming it. Copyright. You, Don't you, even touch my ting, bruv. And if you do, credit where credit is due. Now, how do we work on mindset, right? How do you, because mindset is the first step, but it's also the most difficult step to overcome because it's not something that takes a short time to work on. So as we've mentioned in other or in the previous episodes, the first thing you have to do is make the choice, right? You have to make the choice to change in whatever direction that you're trying to go in. If it's weight loss, then you have to choose to being on a journey of weight loss and you can apply that to whatever other thing that you are trying to incorporate or fix and change your mind towards. Now, a lot of us, and in that procrastination stage, I feel like we we get stuck in that step, in that first step of choosing it. Yes, you have to choose it, but you also have to want it and you have to commit to it, right? So there has to be follow through. If it's just a choice, it's something that's passive. There needs to be action behind that choice. And the action is the consistently committing to that choice after you make it, choosing it over and over. And then the third thing or the second thing is you have to understand that everything is a process and take it easy on yourself a little bit, right? So you might be at stage one and feel like, oh, but I said I want to quit drinking soda or I said I wanted to what X, Y, and Z, and now I'm doing it and I feel guilty. If you're still at the place where you are still doing it, try not to judge yourself too harshly. You don't want to get to a point where you are doing something because the guilty conscience, your guilty conscience drove you to stopping. It's not sustainable. Again, so trust that everything is a process. And even if you're at step one, and you're not getting out of step one, it's been months or however long it's been that you've been putting something off, take it in stride, but make small steps towards getting to step two, the commitment and the the follow through, wanting it. Okay, that makes sense. Another thing for me is managing expectations, right? Slash perfectionism. So sometimes, let's just stay with the gym thing or losing weight thing. Sometimes we think about things in such a big way, right? You're, you're looking at the broad picture and you're looking at yourself in this moment and at the point that you are at now compared to where you will be, quote unquote, when you reach the destination, right? And when you look at it, big picture like that, it's daunting, You think, how am I going to lose 20 kilograms? How am I going to make a million dollars? How am I going to, how am I going to? And that's another thing that locks you into place. That kind of keeps you frozen and stuck, petrified in one place, afraid to do anything because everything is now judged against that big picture vision of you as the thin person or you as the rich person, whatever. And in my times, exactly when, when my day comes and we get so caught up in the mental aspect of it that we, we, we kind of weave another 
unproductive cycle of fear, guilt, procrastination, doubling down, la la la, and, and, and so on and so forth. As opposed to managing that expectation of what it is that you're putting before yourself. We all need to take on this attitude of just chipping away. Just chip away at the problem. Chip away at the problem. Chip away at the problem. That's something that we learn in CrossFit where there's some workouts that are so intense, so draining, right? Like you don't even know how you're going to get through the workout. It's so intense. And the trainers and the coaches and everybody will tell you, this is what we call a chipper. They're called chipper workouts where you literally just chip away at it. If it means out of 20 deadlifts and you know, you're gunning for 20 deadlifts, you started off being able to do the whole 20 unbroken, then 10 unbroken, then five unbroken. Whatever it is, wherever you are at with it, chip away at it. If it's one deadlift at a time, do one deadlift at a time, take a 10 second break or whatever it is and come back at it, chip away at the problem. So for me, it's the managing of expectations at number two, as well as chipping away at whatever it is. And incidentally, you and I had a conversation about prayer some time ago where I was really struggling to be consistent and I just wasn't in the space, you know, and, and I, I was coming to you and telling you about how guilty I felt that I wasn't able to, you know, pray for a particular duration of time, however many minutes versus right now where I feel like I can't even master five minutes of prayer, you know, or meditation, whatever it is. Right. And you said to me, sometimes all you have is that five minutes. All, all that you can give is that five minutes. The five minutes is no less important or worthy than a person who can pray for an hour or a person who can pray for 20 minutes or whatever the fact is. You said, even if it's just to take 10 seconds and just thank God for your life and, you know, ask for shielding, etc., etc. And that shifted my mindset so much because at that time I felt like prayer was such a massive thing and I felt this responsibility and I felt so guilty at not doing it and it's been so long. And just you saying that to me and saying to God, it's all the same. To God, the five-minute prayer, the 10-second prayer, hour-long prayer, night-long prayer, it's the same as long as it's coming from a pure and genuine place. Do you get what I mean? And that's the same thing. It's the same as the chipper analogy, workout analogy. It's about what you can give in the moment. And that's where my mindset um, or my expectations rather diminished, right? As this all started with my workout from a week ago, I realized why I failed during the first lockdown to uh, maintain the regimen of working out at home. It was because I was going to buck. You know what I mean? I was sitting. And you got injured. You also don't forget that. Also, I got injured, but it was just going to buck 
trying to push too hard, trying to do... The mindset was wrong. The expectation was wrong. The mindset was correct, but the mind, the expectation was wrong. Exactly. Exactly right. I'm sorry. Mindset was correct. Expectations were wonky, and therefore I could not sustain it. And I felt my expectations shift this time around where, again, it started with the mindset where I decided, you know what? If it's 15 minutes, it's 15 minutes. Rather just have 15 minutes with your body every single day. And if you can't do it every single day, again, it's a process. Forgive yourself. Do you know what I'm saying? Be easy on yourself. I, I, I think for anything to stick and to be sustainable, it has to be more of a lifestyle than a chore or... Chores are terrible, bro. Chores are gross. Things that are, listen, chores? where does it go back to? Things that are beneficial are a pain mm. to do. Mm. That's like human nature. Mm. What is that thing? I feel like um, my, my, you know, like you're talking about chipping away and you're talking about also not hold, being too guilty in certain areas. In certain areas, I want I want my spirit to be to me, Serena Serena Williams's dad. I want my spirit to be Michael Jackson's dad to me. I want my my spirit to be Tiger Woods and Tiger Woods mom and dad to me for le- for for that high level of productivity. Sure. I think times where like I am not comfortable, I produce and I you know I get excited about work and I just do it. Like sometimes, like even just now, I, I slept at to seven around seven after I just completed work. Mm-hmm. I felt good about myself because mm. I was like, "Damn, I managed to do this thing and I completed it." But also, it's so difficult. You find that you make so many excuses. I need the right space. I need to be in a really good energy. I need to go to the library. I can't do it in my room. Mm. I can't do it at my house. Listen. That's all the things, the moment you start chipping away all these different excuses and, you know, handles that you use to kind of lie to yourself, you're going to keep, you know, postponing the thing that you actually want to do for me. That's so I was just adding on to you saying. For sure, but I, hear me out. It's an addition as an alternative mindset that also works. Let me me throw a curveball at you, right? You just talked about you being so uncomfortable, your spirit making you feel so guilty and pressure to do something because when you are under pressure, then you produce, right? I I call and I raise you preparation. Follow me. Everybody's been there who's been in high school, university, whatever, where you have an assignment. You have, you've been known for months that you have this piece of work due for whatever it is. You hold it off until the last minute because, quote, unquote, I work better under pressure. So you eventually do work under pressure and it goes well. Goes damn well, right? And you, you know, pat yourself on the back like, damn, I didn't even expect that that was going to go that well, but, you know, then you start to, to get in your ego bag. Yeah, 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 but you know, I knew that's that that's what type of time I'm on. Like, you know, this is what I right? You're hyping yourself up. Now, just this week, you and I have been speaking about the groundwork. Just today, we had a conversation with someone about the importance of the groundwork. 
of laying down foundation in the past two weeks work that we did two years ago literally has only become relevant now so i see you and working under pressure i also know for a fact when there is that when there is enough groundwork and foundation you perform way better than under pressure prime example university i used to do my stuff last minute all the time there's one particular assignment that i wrote in first year this is now when i was at monash no longer a medical student i got over that trauma and went to study journalism and social science i had an english assignment and the one time i decided i'm actually gonna start preparing for this assignment two weeks in advance for it like i saw it come up on whatever notification and i said okay cool let me start working on it i wrote that thing for that entire two weeks right obviously with other work in between but i was you know steadily chipping away at it and sub i i mean when i write for me i i labor over every word the grammar etc i handed it in i was in first year my lecturer on the day of the the results coming out we had to go to his rooms or his office to get our papers and our grades i get there and he's like i've been waiting to see who wrote this paper I'm like yeah he says to me i have run this paper through every anti-plagiarism app that we have and it's come out completely plagiarism free this paper is on a third year level i was not expecting a first year to write on this level and to have this level of analysis i got like an 80 80 for that paper just 80 bruv okay oh, but wow. also he was from the caucus voice so whatever no, we all know we all know what time it is but Okay, yeah. How do you also say I'm writing on a third year level and give and me an give 80? An 80. Oh, but wow. maybe it wasn't even so much about whatever, but just like the logic, the reasoning, what you're doing with it. I can see how, yeah, maybe some places you fall short, the argument is not strong enough or it wasn't supported enough, etc. I get it. I was ha- that was probably one of the only 80s <laughs> I got for and like an analysis of a movie i was like oh, absolutely so for me that moment proved that this whole working under pressure thing is a lie not a lie but we use it far too often as an excuse that takes us away from being disciplined there's no and just logically thinking about it there's no way something that requires months of preparation is going to be accomplished, written, done well in 24 hours or less. Something that requires literally weeks on it. Like, logically, that doesn't even make sense. It doesn't even make sense. Absolutely, there are gems that come out of that high-pressure situation. We all know this to be true. Gems come out of high-pressure situations all the time. Tiger Woods? Of course. But I'm saying, just in the context of, you know, even you sculpting, when you have that urge and whatever, and you're under pressure and you feel uncomfortable and awkward and whatever, you will come out with a creation that is just beyond 
you know, what you were expecting. And we talk about this all the time as well, which is the fear that comes with something or the anxiety that comes with something great ambiguity that comes with you about to to do something great and tap into just a different space when you are creating right so yeah that space and the pressure and the tension can build and create something very beautiful but there's also way more longevity way more sustainability in actually doing groundwork Chipping away at the problem. Doing a little bit. Very, very little bit. Very little bit. A little bit. The smallest chunk that you can manage in that time, in that day, do it. Because you are laying foundation. But again, if your head is not in that space, you could... Like, I've known this for the longest time, right? And still, when you're not there, you're not there. If you're overwhelmed, you're overwhelmed. If you, uh, you know... Anxious, you're anxious. If the pandemic is getting to you, girl, it's getting to you, sir. It's getting to you. It's fine. Rest. <laughs> Rest. So for building long-lasting habits, I think while you're in the zone, while the mind is in the right space, while your expectations are managed, while you are chipping away at the problem, just, 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 just go with it. Whatever is happening in that moment, don't fight it. Don't fight it. Don't hold yourself hostage. Okay, that, that's just my thing. Like, if you're hungry, you're hungry, dude. If you're craving cake, you're craving cake. Just to say that you're on a journey of fitness or whatever doesn't mean you're never going to want cake again in life. The only thing it means is don't eat cake every three days. And that's okay. That's fine. I feel like that's a that's a decent compromise and it's sustainable. So, yeah, that's me on that. I think to stay in the zone longer, we kind of have to get rid of this thing of punishment and, and thinking about it as something that's strict or something that is is a must, you know, just think of it as this is what I do now. This is how I'm going to live my life moving forward now. I'm going to, you know, do a little bit at a time. And if I can't do it, then it's fine. But, you know. It's not a train wreck. I shouldn't, you know, necessarily feel so guilty that I'm going to get into these cycles that perpetuate the procrastination and the lack of productivity. Just take it on the chin. Think of it as a rest day. Rest and try to get back on it and, and understand that, you know, when you do have a break in rhythm, you're not going to start at the strongest. You're not going to start being back in the flow. You have to build that back up. You have to build your, you know, what is it? You have to build your endurance. You have to build your skill set again and refresh. So it's not always going, it's not a, what I'm saying is it's not a nightmare. It's not as bad as you think. Um, And I think somewhere at the root of this is fear because I'm someone who struggled with fear for a long time and I think the the thing about fear is once you do the thing that you're scared to do, it's never as bad as what you were making it out in your head. Or, you know, it's it's really not that bad. Just, it's fine. Just do it. I think, I don't know if it's the millennial curse or whatever, but we're just so sensitive sometimes that 
it's so easy to be overwhelmed by certain things and just feeling like I can't. And maybe that's what, you know, the boomers keep referring to about us being lazy or whatever. But, you know, we live in a world that is completely different from any other world and time that has existed before in human history. And sometimes it takes its toll, but it's fine if that happens. Just don't crucify yourself over things that are natural. It's natural to get into slumps. But don't wallow when you're in there. Do what you got to do when you're there. Don't judge yourself. But, you know. I think there's um, there's another, there's a podcast that these guys that I watch sometimes on Instagram. Um, Gilly and Wallow. Um, I think it's many years of game or something like that. These guys, this guy said... Like on one of the episodes, he said some of the things that you think are difficult to do and you haven't done them is because you you haven't done them. Mm. Sometimes you realize when you start doing something, how easy it is. Mm. And then he was just like, just do it. Just put in the work. Sometimes we make so many excuses on behalf of ourselves mm. and we find so many excuses for not wanting to do certain things. I can, like, I, I, I see what he's talking about. Mm. And we know what that person is talking about. Because, you know, any week where we invest time to do a lot of work and we become productive the first day, the second day, the third day, in the following week, there's something that's going to come just from universal, no, from like a universal response of the investment of time, energy, thought, and everything that we're doing as far as work is related that thing will get like an outlet. I remember when we had, we decided we're going to shoot six shoots in one week. Or like, I remember we thought like, how many shoots do we have? Like five shoots in Mm. one, two Mm. weeks, Mm. two Two weeks. Yeah. Six, six shoots in two weeks. Yeah. And that was the, and that was after we realized the previous year, we had only shot three times the whole year. Mm. Mm. And we sat down and we looked at the other things that we want to do and the spaces that we want to get into and how much we're doing as far as that. And we had to check ourselves. Mm. We had to check. That's why even yesterday when I posted, I was like, I'm very proud. I posted on, on, I shared on my Instagram that I was very proud of the moment that your work got posted on, 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 on the Ganiza Ganiza page because that was marking a moment where, I mean, for me, it was, this is all it is. Yeah. This is this is what it's about. Yeah. Getting being part of a community that recognizes the work that you do. Yeah. And honestly, a lot of people don't recognize the work we do in our context. Hey. Hey. I they, they, listen. Hey now. Listen. Say that louder though. I mean, <laughs> people get touched. It doesn't matter. Also, it's it's also the way it is. Yeah. That's really the way it is. Yeah. So we had to change the way we were looking at ourselves. And there's another thing that comes into picture, which is complacency. Mm. As far as the production of work for me, creatively, there's a thing of complacency that I have to be careful, very, very careful of, very, very careful of where, mm. yeah, no, I, I can do this thing and it's so easy to me and I've produced this thing and I've done it before and I need this thing and it's not there right now. There's so many excuses, for, for, for instance, right now. If we shot three times the whole year, I don't remember which year, it's maybe it's 20... 2019 yeah the whole year we shot three times yeah 
And then in two weeks, we shoot six times. In a panoramic year. In a, pa- in a panoramic? We shot. to Jesse Wu. And in January 2020, that's where the mindset changed. Because we yeah. looked back and we're like, our life looks disgusting. What are we doing about it? Yeah. We weren't. We, we, we and it weren't, was lockdown also. Even before lockdown. You remember what happened before lockdown? We worked on a constitution for the NGO. Yeah. The whole three months. Yeah. Yeah. struggling yeah. without a lawyer yeah. to figure out the jargon for your constitution. Yeah. Yeah. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. And it all came from what? Changing the mindset and mindset. looking back. And I remember it started with that conversation. Jesus Christ, we shot three times. Yeah. Three times the whole, a whole 300 and however, 65, 68, 69, it's 65 days. 360, 78 days. Yeah. You shot three times and you claim to be an artist and you claim to be a photographer. You claim to be a, an aspiring filmmaker. And you have other artists that historically, if you, you know, you're, you're whoever's, I don't know, you're Matisse, you're Van Gogh's or whoever's, they dedicated their time. He had painted every single day of his life. In a dungeon. They like, locked him in a hey. dungeon. He wanted to be in the dungeon. He didn't want to be he in the dungeon. He did. At one point, he didn't want to be in the dungeon. That lady stuck him in there and he was like, produce so that we can sell, so that I can eat my money and I can make money out of your work. That was what that was at one point. It was pleasant at the beginning. And then when it started getting strenuous, he wanted out. Anyway. We need to watch that again. It's I fine. remember that. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, it's fine. My point is, the moment we changed the mindset. Yeah around our life and our individual lives. Yeah. I was like, this is not what I'm going to settle for. I'm not going to settle for this. Yeah. I'm not having this. Yeah. We should shoot. All the concepts were already there. I had concepts from 2016. Yeah. I had over 70 shoots that I had designed or at least conceptualized in my notebook where I wrote all my concepts. And some of them were described in detail. And they were just there lingering. Yeah, I don't have this. And you start making excuses like, I don't have the budget. I don't have the money. I don't have the accessories. I don't have the tools. And yet, all the time when we create, we used almost nothing. In fact, we used only the things that we had access to to tell the stories that we wanted to tell. Yeah. So there's also another thing of access. There's so many excuses that we can give ourselves Mm. when we have to do the important things that we need to get done. Mm. You understand what I'm saying? Mm. So to, to my point, which is the mindset changed from 2019 to 2020, where we even got to finish a constitution. And then you spoke about preparation. Mm. Some of the things that we had, like for instance, the, 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 the the gallery, even yesterday, we were talking about this. We were talking about this just now that some, the work that I had done, that was, you know, hinting my desire to get into gallery spaces had been reposted. And it's work that I had posted in 2019, beginning of 2019. Mm. And it's 2021, we're getting closer to all these things. Mm. And it's like, oh, the foundation. Foundation is everything. The foundation is very important. So all these little, so then comes in the issue of the process in between. Mm. It's like sometimes you just have to lay the seeds or plant the seeds or sow the seeds and let them man, marinate in the, you know, and, and marinate and, 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 and develop in the soil. Mm. And it does, does it mean that now you, you, you stop working in between that? 
Do you stop grinding? Do you stop? Mm. Do you stop in, empowering yourself with with mm. knowledge about the space that you want to enter? No, you continue. But your breakthrough, as far as your breakthrough is concerned, we don't know. You don't know yeah. how it's going to come. But look at the context now. It all goes back. It almost feels like something that's coming like full circle. It yeah. almost f- feels like yeah. a full circle Absolutely. situation. It always is. It, it always is. You understand what I'm it saying? It always is. That's why I'm saying. That's why I said even earlier work that we did in 2019 literally word for word it's like oh i didn't understand in the moment i understood in the moment but i didn't know that i was preparing for For this this moment which at that time would have been the future you get what i'm saying so absolutely 100 percent agree with what you're saying preparation is everything and you know we were having a conversation this afternoon with um I think a brilliant guy, a creative person yeah. from Lesotho, artist, rapper, producer, right. you name artist it. Artist manager. Uh, artist manager, agent. Birdman. Listen, oh, oh. the guy that rant, okay, on Instagram, if you know, you know. The guy Super that political. rant. And, you know, when he said to me, I put in 20 years this year into rapping and, and just trying to improve my skill set, seeing where opportunities were in the industry, in the culture and moving, you know, and that for me was crazy because I under, even considering the conversation that we're having now and the conversation that we've been having this week about groundwork foundation and how that work that we laid so long ago is paying off for us now. And so long ago for us is two years. Imagine 20 years, 20 years worth of just sowing seeds worth of building growing maturing like i am so excited to see this man be so successful yeah i am so excited for him to get everything that he deserves because if we want to talk discipline that's insane this is a young this is a guy our age he's like what in his early 30s yeah yeah also, He's been working for 20 years on something. Look, look that's at, crazy. Look at something also that's very interesting about him. He comes from privilege, mm. but mm. he works hard. This guy is selling things out of the back of a brand new, very nice car. Yeah. Things that a person that drives that car wouldn't be selling from that car. But let's take that a step further. He comes from privilege, but he chose to live in a particular way that you wouldn't expect from a person that comes out out of that privilege. And what did he then come out with out of those circumstances that we might, we might call struggle work ethic, impeccable work ethic, 20 years worth or something. So for me, when I heard that, I was just like, Whoa, that, that that's mind blowing. And that again, that conversation was a testament to the to to the point that I made previously, which is, f- in order for you to do something that is long lasting, that is sustainable, it has to come from a very very deep yeah. well of wanting it, commitment, passion, all of these things, discipline, you name it, dedication, and over and above everything, incredibly clear mindset yeah, and vision. Must want it. You need to want it. So for me, 
you know, as you were talking just now, I was thinking about, you know, but sometimes in the process, it gets so draining. And sometimes that's a factor in as to what, or that's a factor that contributes to the laziness or the procrastination. Um, I believe I've been on the planet for a decent number of years. Okay. This is my 31st year of life. And a struggle. Struggle is a real thing. I've been disappointed so many times from being invested in an idea or a concept or an opportunity or whatever, you name it, right? And have that thing not work out and have what it seemed like universal alignment and everything saying do this thing and having that fail. And, you know, it's very difficult when a dream kind of dies or changes or just something goes wrong with something that you care deeply about, that you're passionate about, that's your baby, that's your passion project. And my point is, since we are here talking about being critically self-aware, you have to pick yourself up when that happens because you don't understand the divine plan. Right. You feel crushed in the moment and you feel like all hope is lost and you don't want to do it anymore or, you know, whatever it is, heartbroken, disappointed, whatever. Keep going. My point about T-Mac, the gentleman that we were talking about, is how many disappointments do you think he had or he's had over the span of 20 years of laying foundation? How many times has he invested energy, time, blood, sweat, tears into something and see it fail. It's in my own life, in your life, all of our lives, you know, you have to keep moving. You have to keep moving forward. You cannot stay in one place. You cannot stay in one place and it's nobody's responsibility to keep you moving. Nobody owes you anything. Life doesn't owe you anything. So if you choose to stay, understand that that's where you might be staying. And this thing of moving brings me to what I want to conclude with. If you did any physics in school, you'll know about the terms potential energy and kinetic energy. If you know the definitions, feel free to put it in the, in the comments. But all I remember is that kinetic energy has to do with movement and potential energy has to do with what could potentially happen. I don't know. I think I'm being too literal. I don't know. I don't know. That is so literal. It is literal because I was in school like 15 years ago. It doesn't matter. What I'm saying is everything that we're talking about, we're, we're in a nutshell saying you need to get out of the space of potential energy into the space of kinetic energy. You need to get from the space of being in your thoughts and letting them overwhelm you and letting them control you and actually get into the stage of being active. Action. You have to move. And and, and that's what Sobs was saying when he said, when we decide to put energy into whatever, when we start taking things steps, start falling into things place. happen. That was things crazy. Things happen. Things move. If you move, 
or you put a little bit of energy into something, one step, something will one come. Step, it's some, gonna lead somewhere. Yeah, it's gonna lead somewhere. And you know, just thinking of this analogy or thinking of this scenario where work that was done two years ago or however long ago the case is is being relevant right now. Imagine if we had done the same amount of work that we've done two years ago, how much we would be benefiting right now. Mm-hmm. Do you but know also, what I there's mean? still so much work that we've done, dude. Like we've honestly. done a lot. I I think. But they should, we're, like we're, we're copying pleas for ourselves, and and that's what I didn't want to to do because we do a bunch of different things, a lot of different things. I'm not even gonna go there. What I'm saying is, maybe even the fact that the work from two years ago is benefiting us now and only now is because that was the one, you know, shining moment of true inspiration, true something, true momentum that happened. And then everything else happened in between. And then comes up again, like six months later or four months mm, later or whatever the case. So imagine it, if it, you're it, consistent it, with that, you understand? Oh, you're man, constantly yeah. just going to be reaping because mm. we're only reaping that crop from that seed now. Mm. So imagine if, if there it was, was more, you understand? Mm. So that's why I'm here for building sustainable habits that are literally going to be a part of our lives because if you can plant the seed, sow a seed every single day, you're going to be reaping. You're going to constantly be harvesting, constantly have a feast in front of you. Yeah. So for me, I don't know. I think consistency, you know, it's hard. It's hard, but we need to be out of our own minds. Our minds, especially us millennials who are very sensitive and whatever, we are susceptible to a lot and, and our heads, you know, and our emotional spaces can be easily compromised. Um, so we need to, to, to be as clear as possible and we can get that from being consistent, but also understanding that it's a process also not being too hard on yourself, but pushing yourself. If you don't know by now, everything is happening simultaneously. We have that conversation all the time. It's all a balancing act. You have to do all of them in at one time, pretty much, yeah. you know. Um, the last thing I want to talk about, and I, I alluded to it a little bit now, is I keep saying the last thing. You said something very important, and it, and it got me to these two words. Purpose and inspiration, Right? When you are doing something and and you are driven by your own purpose, by your own desire, it's sustainable. And you can find inspiration as you are moving along. Don't wait for the inspiration. They say the difference between amateurs and professionals is that amateurs wait for inspiration and professionals know that it comes along the way. That's Pressfield. I think it's Pressfield. I don't know who said that. Some guy. I saw, I saw some. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, yeah. I think basically get the ball rolling and you'll see as it goes. And, and when you're deep in that zone of procrastination, there's nothing more annoying than someone saying, get the ball rolling. It's like, I have trouble getting out of bed. I get that. <laughs> yeah. I get that. I've been there. But at the end of the day, we're, we're wearing our, our grown folks underwear right now. Everybody's taking big boy and big girl pills. 
you know, we, we got to push, we got to hustle. We got to get what's ours. 2020 showed us fire flames. You know, everybody was like, this is fine. Like that meme, but 2021, this is the time that we're getting all of our things. We're collecting our lives, collecting our bags and collecting our happiness. Panoramic of me panoramic. Amen. Honestly. Amen. And with that said, y'all, we've been on here having this fat chat for a minute. Uh, and we are going to sign off right here. Thank you so much. If you have made it to the end of this conversation for listening and giving your attention, as always, please go ahead and leave your thoughts, feelings about the conversation, any relatable experiences in the comment section, comment, like, I don't even know. Yeah. Like comment. Follow. And absolutely share this on all platforms. Also follow, right? Follow, yeah. Yeah. Because you can follow on follow, SoundCloud. Follow, like. Share. Share. Comment. Comment. Do all that good stuff. Thank you for your support. And thank you to my co-host, Sobs, as always. Gang, 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 gang. It's been lit. Um, it's been super real. Yeah. Just, yeah. Thank you for having me once more. Oh, wait, Azul. Oh, wait, Azul. We out.